Over the past few weeks, our lives have quickly changed in profound ways. We continue to be committed to care for our patients, provide education for our trainees, and support our family and friends. This special podcast series during the COVID-19 pandemic will bring you perspectives from our otolaryngology community on what is going on in real time. I'm your host, Christina Cabrera-Muffley. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my own or my guests and do not express the views or opinions of my employer. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it and leave a review. This is episode one in the OtoMentor pandemic special series. This episode was recorded on April 1st with Dr. Samuel Goobles, who is an otolaryngologist at the University of Colorado. Thanks for being on the show, Sam. Thank you, Christina, and thanks for doing this. So, Sam, how is the COVID-19 pandemic affecting you on a day-to-day basis right now? Well, for most of us, I suspect it's really changed our lives in a way we would have never predicted and lots of changes. Obviously, we're working from home, and that's been uh, an eye-opener as far as trying to settle into that routine and maintain some productivity. I've heard different things that I've read and sessions I've listened to. People talk about that you can often feel sort of paralyzed with this sort of a change that, you know, you now have a lot of time. I found I've had a lot, have a lot more time because of not operating and we're not seeing significant amount of patients in clinic. And so trying to maintain productivity with your other academic projects or administrative roles and things like that, you'd think with more time, you'd just bang a lot of stuff out. I think on the whole, we are all being productive in that, like what you're doing here. But I think it's harder than one would have anticipated to maintain productivity has been my experience. And I don't know if that's because you're home and want to walk the dog and spend time with your family, but also need to stay productive. So I've, I've kind of found that, you know, I'm not able to do any in good faith, any case for neurotology, much of what we do is non-urgent. You could argue with clustiotoma, maybe it's urgent, but I don't feel that that's necessarily sincere. I think some clustiotomas might be, but it's something that on the whole, that's not urgent. Cochlear implants, stapedotomy procedures, even vestibular schwannoma surgery, we have upcoming surgery that we'll have to do because patient has obstructive hydrocephalus, but really most of the vestibular schwannomas we're not operating on right now either. So not having that as part of what we do. And then also the busy clinical schedule is certain. And then being at home is very different. Absolutely. So are you seeing any people in clinic or are you doing telehealth? Yes, we've started doing telehealth. I think that's been, you know, I'm trying to find all the positives with this. I think getting the telehealth piece together here will be nice moving ahead after this pandemic hopefully settles down. I don't know how much we'll use of it, but I think that our institution did a great job of launching it in pretty short order and it works well. So I have been doing telehealth. There's not a lot of, when looking at the problems that I typically see, I looked with my partners and there are some problems that we can handle by telehealth, like dizziness and tinnitus and things like that. But there are many that we need an audiogram and we need duotoscopy to a draining ear and things like that, that it's just not amenable to telehealth. But so we haven't had great luck with a having problems that are amenable to seeing patients by telehealth and b patients interested in actually going for it that many of them I think said, well, we'll just wait and come in when this hopefully settles down. So 
But I, I've been seeing yesterday, I had four or five post-op patients that are still kind of coming through. I think that's going to slow down because of how long this has gone on at this point. But it's basically just post-ops or any urgent ones, which we've decided on sudden losses, any concern for ototoxicity, large compressive tumors or cholesteatomas. I feel like I need to at least have a good sense by imaging or whatever else we can glean virtually that we're not dealing with somebody that may be facing more of an imminent. They could get meningitis because of, of the erosion or that it's a threat to their capsule erosion, something like that. So, Absolutely. So what's, what's worrying you the most? I know you said you're trying to stay positive, which I completely appreciate, but what are your main concerns that you have with this pandemic? It's, I don't know what your experience has been. It's, it's strange. I'm not sure actually. I mean, I feel there's an, a level of stress and worry that's there and I can't put my finger on exactly what it's composed of, ex- you know, what are the most worrisome things. But I think I had to list, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's some concern certainly like we all have of what would happen if we got the virus and would we be somebody who would be very, very sick and potentially even be a threat to our lives or would we be somebody who's asymptomatic? I think that's, that concerns me about this virus is it's a, there's an unpredictability in general, younger, healthier people are doing better, but there you still hear these stories. So there's kind of fundamental concern just about what would happen. Also with loved ones, you know, I worry about my parents, they're in their eighties and I, you know, I'm very concerned if they were to get it, what would happen? I think part of the worry is also the unknown of when it's going to end and how it's going to, are we going to get herd immunity? Is it, we're going to have to wait until we have vaccination and that seems like a long way away. So I think some of the, the concern is when will we get back to our, what we know is our normal and will we, I mean, the things are going to inevitably be different. Will we not show, shake hands with people ever again? Will we not feel like we can, you know, give a hug to a colleague or, other friends and things like that. I don't know if that's necessarily realistic, but just not knowing where the timeline that things might get back to a more of a normal state and inevitably things will be different. And what will it look like? Yeah. I think the unknown is the most difficult part for me too. completely agree. So looking at the prediction models at this point, it looks like in our state, Colorado, the, surge of cases will likely start this week and reach a peak in approximately two weeks. How do you think that surge and peak will affect your practice specifically? Like, do you think you're going to be called to help other specialties like the emergency room or airway management or any of that? Or do you think that we're kind of more insulated from that? Well, I really don't know. I haven't for our skill set. You know, I'm trying to think of the ways that we can be helpful, and I'm I'm not sure for the skills that we have, we are all that helpful. Definitely wouldn't be comfortable managing very sick patients in the ICU, regardless of whatever crash courses I may be able to perform in the next week. I think that's one of the challenging things is that I'd like to be able to help more with frontline efforts and contributing to our community and to responding to things, but I'm not sure what I can do. I mean, there, there's always things, I think, a more basic level that we could, but specifically speaking as a physician surgeon, I'm not sure how we can meaningfully help. And that's what I think I'm, I'm wrestling with a little bit is, and some of the stresses that you feel like I'd, I'd love to, to do more, but I'm not sure exactly what that is. 
and maybe we're helping by staying out of the way and kind of being ready when things get back to a more normal state to really, you know, there's obviously going to be big financial implications for the university, for our department, for the hospital. And maybe if we can stay healthy and be ready that we're going to be working really, really hard to catch back up after this. And this is work that needs to be done to help kind of the solvency of the whole operation on some level. Maybe that's the way we're going to help. So I don't know what thoughts you have on it. I'd be interested to hear yours too. Yeah, I I completely agree. You know, for me, my major role now that I'm not really seeing patients is the residency program, making sure that they're, you know, taken care of, that they're not put at unnecessary risk. But we're talking about redeploying faculty, redeploying residents, and how do we do that safely? What skills do we have to contribute? Yeah, like you said, I don't know that I feel comfortable managing ventilators in the ICU. I'm happy to intubate whoever you want me to intubate that I can handle. But otherwise, as surgeons of the airway, there's not a whole lot that we're doing right now. I completely agree. And that's also, I think, alluding back to your thoughts about the unknown. Um, We don't know how we're going to be called to help or whether even we are. I think the residents also have some of this anxiety or angst about they want to be helpful, but they don't necessarily know how best to be helpful at this point. Yeah. Getting back to your point about the finances. So you've been very involved in revising our practices compensation model over the past year. What do you see as the effect on the finances of the department, given the unknowns? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've been thinking and talking a lot about it. I think we don't know, and it all has to do with how long this period of non-productivity is going to be. I think all departments build in some level of reserves and have some, it's like any business on some level or personal finance for that matter. You need to have some money saved and tucked away for hard times, but that only goes so far. You can only withstand so much time at your current you know, lifestyle, if you will. So I think it all has to do with how long it might be when the surge hits, what the aftermath of the surge is and when we can get back to doing things that bring in revenue and make us keep out of the red. And yeah. that's what we we just don't know. There's obviously going to be significant impact financially for everybody, but certainly for physician practices. I think in academics, different right now than for our colleagues in private practice. You know, it's more real for them that they're having to let employees go and apply for the CARES grants and things like that to keep themselves financially viable right now. I think, at least for now, luckily for us, we're not having to make those extremely hard decisions. But obviously, everybody's financial impact for everybody globally, I think, is probably safe to say. And we'll see what how much of an impact it ends up being. And I think it all has to do with how long it is until we can get back in the game and start seeing patients in clinic and moreover to start doing the procedures that are our livelihood. Yeah, completely agree. Thanks for your thoughts during this difficult time. I think this is very important for us to share as a specialty what's going on in our individual worlds and support each other. Yeah, I really appreciate you. I think it's very timely that you're doing this focusing on COVID. I think it's probably, like you said, for us all to just communicate and see where how everybody else is feeling and what the impact has been on them is just helpful to have that dialogue. So thanks for doing it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for being on the show.
Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy.